All right, it's good to be with you guys today. Ever so often as a church, we take some time away from our series and we dig into practicing the way of Jesus. And we like to look at this theme through a specific lens or a specific practice that we see Jesus modeling for us in the scriptures. So uh, two weeks ago, we looked at practicing the way of Jesus from a broader perspective, the big idea behind it. And we essentially said that to be a disciple of Jesus, the aim of the Christian life, to be a follower of Jesus, an apprentice, whatever term you want to use, our main goal is to order our life around three different movements. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Last week, we hit on be with Jesus, and we looked at it through the lens of prayer. So essentially, prayer at its simplest form is relationship with God. Jesus is expressing to us, through connection to him, a divine, perfect, and permanent love through intimacy with him. Through prayer, we can rest in our relationship with God. So this week, we're going to be hitting on the second movement, and that's become like Jesus. And we're asking ourselves the question, how does prayer transform our character to become more like Jesus? So if you're taking notes, if you like to take notes, I'll say that one more time. How does prayer form our character to become more like Jesus? Now, like any other relationship, when we spend time with someone, we end up being shaped into something similar to that. When we spend time with someone, when we surround ourselves with someone, we will find that our character and even our inclinations towards certain desires seem to be formed and shaped by that person. I was actually at lunch with my parents yesterday, and they brought this up without knowing that I was talking about this this morning. When they first got married, they would go to lunch, and whatever they would order would be completely opposite from each other. But now they don't even say what they're going to order at the, at the dinner or lunch table because they're afraid that they know it's going to be the exact same thing. And then they don't, they just have this competition complex. And so they want to, uh, <laughs> they want to make for sure they're always doing different things, I guess. Um, but as we spend time with people, we're going to be shaped by them. But not only does the people that we surround ourselves with transform us, but also our environments as well. Have you ever noticed this? This is why when we go to concerts, like we, we are in there with all of the people and we're all singing the same lyrics and the music is moving us and it has this way of influencing us more than if we were just to listen to the song in our headphones. Environments have this way of shaping us, of transforming us, of influencing us. There's this book by a guy named James Clear, and in it, he makes the claim, or in the book Atomic Habits, he makes the claim that if you practice, if you order your life, if you make consistent micro habits, it will end up changing the trajectory of your life. And this is what he says. Every action you make or you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs. But as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. What you choose to do will ultimately determine who you become. We are always being formed into something. Am I right? Change is always taking place in our lives, whether we like to admit it or not. So how do we change our relationships, our environments, even the things we choose to believe about our past, our habits, our practices, these, these are the things that change us. And as we spend time with Jesus, 
That was last week. As we dive deep into the wellspring of a relationship with God through prayer, we will find our character becoming more and more like his. So prayer transforms, shapes, molds. Prayer builds our character. So for the remainder of our time, I'm going to take some time to look at some different character traits. Now, we could spend an entire year digging into the different traits that prayer could transform, but for the sake of time today, we're going to look at just a few that I think are really going to hit onto our, our cultural moment, and I hope that they will encourage us to, to push through into a practice of prayer that will transform our lives. So as a bit of a roadmap, I've listed off a few of the different Um, character traits that we're going to hit on. So prayer builds wisdom. Prayer builds hope. Prayer builds humility. Prayer builds boldness. And prayer builds forgiveness. So we're going to dive into the scriptures. We're going to look at some of the aspects where we see, or the moments where we see Jesus praying. And then we're just going to glean from those truths and see how prayer might transform our character in the way that Jesus models prayer for us in the scriptures. You guys ready to dive in? Sweet. All right, so let's do Luke 6, starting in verse 12. Luke 6, starting in verse 12, going through 13. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. I love that. And when day came, he called his disciples and he chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. So in the book of Luke, Luke loves to show us the the moments when Jesus was praying in between different actionable moments within the gospel. So there's there's a moment that takes place and then you see Jesus praying. And then there's another moment that takes place. And, And so what we see here is that Jesus is supplementing his life with prayer. It's something that he prioritized. This was a part of his daily life. And, and I think that it's something that we should model as well. So in this moment, the reason this passage is significant, what makes him praying in this moment where he was praying all through the night significant isn't just the fact that he was praying, it's what he was doing after he prayed. Notice, we see him choosing his disciples. These were the 12 men that he would spend the next three years of his life with, the last of his life with these men. These are the ones that he would do life with, that he would eat, sleep, drink, rub off on. The ones he would, uh, you know, make jokes with. The ones that he would get to know on a deeper level. These are the men that he would train and disciple and then send to the four corners of the world. These are the men that he was trusting to take his message and in turn turn the world upside down. Why would he pray before making this kind of decision? Why would he pray before choosing the men that would carry his name? Perhaps Jesus knew that prayer would help him in his decision-making process. Prayer was the starting line for choosing his disciples. Jesus is modeling for us that prayer opens the door to wisdom and discernment. Paul makes it, or not Paul, it's James. So James makes it more practical for us in James 1.5. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, 
Let him ask God, who gives graciously to all without reproach. So if you need wisdom, if you feel like there's something coming up in your life where you need, you need a little bit extra discernment, you need discernment in general, like prayer is a great place to start. Prayer builds our wisdom. So let's move on to the next one. Luke 18, starting in verse 1 through verse 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a jungle who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord Jesus said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, the son of, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In this parable, we see Jesus describing a woman who goes constantly to this unjust judge. And in her persistence, the unjust judge finally grants her request. So Jesus then encourages his disciples and says, God is a good father. He's not like the unjust judge. He actually wants to hear you pray. He wants to be in conversation with you. He's saying God wants you to keep praying. God is in the heavens, and he's saying, bother me. Ask me that one more time. Now, I don't know about you, but when my dad says, ask me one more time, it's usually not an encouragement. <laughs> like, but he, this is what he's saying. He's saying, bother me. Keep praying. Get down on your knees. Ask me one more time. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to pray with you. Now, but this isn't the key of the passage. It's, it's easy to get caught up in the fact that we can keep praying, but the reality is it's not about my ability to keep praying, but who I am praying to. Yes, God is a good, gracious, loving Father who welcomes our persistent pleas, who is not annoyed when we continually ask for the same things over and over and over again. Yes, bruise your knees before your Father in heaven, but our confidence is not in our own persistence. It is in his goodness. In this moment, Jesus looks at his disciples and he notices that they're losing heart. Read again the first verse with me. He says, He told them a parable to the effect that they, not, or that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Why would he tell them a parable so that they wouldn't lose heart? Because they were losing heart. Jesus was seeing his disciples and how their perspective was, was shortening. He was seeing them lose hope. He was seeing them not have the rest and hope that they were supposed to in God the Father who loves them, who wants to be in a relationship with them. So he says, do not forget who you pray to. But bother him. Keep praying. How many of you have requested something to God? How many of you have said, hey God, I, I need this. 
keep praying. And let that persistence in your prayers build hope in the one who loves you. Prayer builds our hope. So now turn with me to Matthew 26, verse 39. We're going to look at prayer builds humility. Matthew 26, verse 39. And this is the scene of the Garden of Gethsemane. So it's right before Jesus is um, going to be crucified. And we see him doing nothing other than praying. And he prays this prayer three times throughout the night in conversation with God. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed. I love envisioning Jesus falling on his face in prayer. If anything, let's just model that, right? Like, let's, let's go before God in prayer in prostrate form. My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Or some of your translations might say, not my will, but your will be done. So in Jesus' most dire moment of need, of confusion, of fear, when he was about to go to the cross, Jesus has a conversation with God three times, so persistence again. He says, God, you know, if there is any other way, if there, is, if there is another way that we can go about this, like, that's great. But if not, I'm submitting to your will. I recognize that you are the one that is sovereign, that is in control. Simply by saying, not my will, but your will be done in our prayers, we are aligning ourselves with the heart of Jesus in his ability to submit himself to God's authority. Prayer is building our humility. Paul makes this extremely clear. He says, Make, or have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Prayer can build this kind of humility in our lives. So let's, let's move on to the next one. We've got Acts 4. Um, so Acts 4, 29 through 31. So if you'll flip over there with me, it's also going to be on the Sky Bible probably. Um, and so in this moment, um, as the narrative of the Bible continues, we see that the disciples are actually noticing that Jesus has this form of prayer in his life, that as he prays, character is formed, and they want to tap into that. They want to tap into the power where they can just pull from the wellspring of character transformation that can, can occur through prayer. So the disciples actually model this in Acts 4. They, they, they model this. They say, okay, so if, if we pray, then we can pull on a certain measure of boldness. And so they begin to pray, and this is what they say. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hands to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, 
Notice this. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So in a moment in culture when the people were being threatened by their faith in Christ, where if they choose to step into what God had called them to do, it might result in prison. It might result in stoning. It might result in death. They chose to look to prayer. They chose to connect in their relationship with God because there, that, that is where they can find boldness. And, and notice what it says in verse 31. It says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. When was the last time you prayed and the foundations were shaken? Like, this is nuts. Can you imagine this moment with you? Okay, so, God, we pray for boldness. Whoa! Like, I mean, God, I mean, this is nuts. When was the last time that happened in any of your lives? This, I mean, for me, it's never. But let me shift that question just a little bit. How about when has prayer shaken the foundations of a community in your, in your own community? When has prayer shaken the foundations of your community to the point where you had this greater measure of boldness to communicate the word of God to the people around you? Don't you want this kind of boldness? Good. I do too. Like, this is the kind of boldness we need in our city today. This is the kind of life that we should be living. It's, okay, so through prayer, we are transformed but also through the gospel of Jesus Christ to our city. This is how our city is formed. We need this kind of boldness. We need this kind of prayer. Do we want to see transformation in our city? We need to start with prayer. If you're looking for boldness, if you need a measure of courage, start with prayer. Let's go on. Luke 23, 34. So this one is the one that really hit me this week. This is Jesus on the cross. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So as Jesus is on the cross, he does nothing other but pray to his Father. In the climax of human history, when all sin and shame, pain, disdain is resting on the shoulders of our king, he chooses to look out to the people who put, them, put him there. He envisions the entirety of humanity from beginning to end. He looks up to his father in heaven and he says, Father, forgive them. Through Jesus and his suffering on the cross, through his atonement, we have forgiveness. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. In Christ's suffering on the cross, he chose to pray to the Father for you. We love because he first loved us. We love those around us. We love anyone in our path. We love those who are hard to love. We love those who have wronged us because he first loved us. We forgive 
because he first forgave us? What if we can't seem to find a certain measure of forgiveness in our lives? What if forgiveness seems way too far off? I, I really believe that there's people in our community that are withholding forgiveness in this season of life. Remember what Christ did for you. We forgive because he first forgave us. Jesus tells his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why would he have them pray for those who have wronged them? Because it transforms our character to have a heart of forgiveness. Prayer transforms or builds our forgiveness. So it's, it's easy to say that we want this kind of change, whether it's boldness, courage, whether it's humility, forgiveness, or any other character trait that might come to mind that is spurred from these conversations. It's easy to say that we want these when we're in a Sunday gathering on Mother's Day, but what about the rest of our lives? What happens when we go out through the rest of our week? We go to work. We see the people around us. We go to lunch with the rest of our family. Will we want this kind of change then? You know, when I think to myself uh, about this kind of change, I say, yeah, yeah, of course I want that. Jesus modeled some pretty, like, admirable traits. It seems logical to us, right? But our lives might reveal something different. Have you ever noticed this? This conflict between what we say we want and what we actually do with our lives. Where there's just this gulf between the place where we want to be and the place where we find ourselves. I may say I want change. I may even say that I want to be more like Jesus, but does my life actually reflect that? If I may be so bold to say, many of us in this room don't actually want change. Why is that? Change is a lot easier said than done, am I right? You know, so in my own life, I mean, it, it terrifies me. Like, I'm, I'm actually scared of this kind of prayer. Imagine this with me. If I am praying, Jesus, give me patience, he's going to create scenarios in my life that I have to be patient through. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> like, I mean, and then, okay, think about this one for me. Like, God, give me humility. He's going to create scenarios where I have to be humble. See, through this kind of prayer, we are relinquishing control over our lives. But the problem is, I like control. I like to be in control of my life. And that control reveals the fact that I do not trust God. Do you trust God with your life? Another one for me is the fact that I don't like to admit that I actually need change in my life. Um, so think about this prayer with me. Um, God, I am really irritable getting up this morning. That never happens, I swear. Um, you can ask my wife. Uh, but, now we'll continue on the prayer. God, I'm really irritable this morning. Help me to change that. In order to pray this kind of prayer, I have to distance myself from my irritableness long enough to recognize that I have a problem with my attitude. But I don't want to do that. Like, I don't recognize my irritableness because it's not my problem. It's the, actual, it's the people that are around me. It's their problem. They're the ones that have the problem. Ugh. We, we actually don't want to admit that we need change. 
So let me broaden this out to a cultural perspective. Uh, the fatalism inherent in so much of our modern psychology when it comes to emotional authenticity and identity and character, those things hinder us from this kind of deep change through prayer as well. Um, okay, so let me explain. Emotional authenticity, character identity, it's running, running rampant in our culture right now. How many of you have ever like, heard of or know what your Enneagram number is? Hey, hey. Okay, so like Myers-Briggs, Strengths Finder, Character Aptitude Tests, we all know them. Like we've heard them. We, they're in our conversations over dinner. Like it's, it's the classic like dinner table conversation right now. Um, but so my Enneagram number is eight, and that basically means that I have a certain disposition to emotional responses to the world around me. So right there, my emotions are directly linked to my character and identity. It is the cardinal sin in our culture to be emotionally inauthentic. So if I'm angry, like, then that's just the way that I am, and you need to get over it. But like, th- I mean, if we try to pray for emotional change in our lives, sometimes it can feel inauthentic. But oddly enough, idolizing our emotions actually It doesn't free us up to live the life that God has called us to live. It hinders us. It keeps us controlled by our feelings. We become a thousand different kinds of selves depending on whatever emotion we're feeling at that point in time. Or as Jesus puts it, we become a reed tossed to and fro by the wind. But if what Jesus says is true, in John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. It opens up the door to the possibility of real change, real hope. No longer are you captured by the mind of our culture. Scripture says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You have been invited into a co-regency with the ruler of the universe. The king has come. We must stop accepting history's relentless pursuit of autonomy, self-discovery, emotional authenticity as the basis for our character and identity, and instead take the present opportunity to empty ourselves in prayer and in turn be transformed by God. Will you pray? Will you pray? Will you allow God to invite you into this journey of transformation? How do we make this practical? On your seat, you have a piece of paper. And that piece of paper is our practice for this week. We're gonna challenge you to read this once and use it as you're praying. So this is the prayer of examine. The prayer of examine is one of the oldest formed prayers that we have in Christian history. So people have been praying this for hundreds of years. It was intended to be read on a daily basis and to be used on a daily basis, but I'm not going to challenge you to do that. Just do it once. You could, you could do this for three minutes. You could do it for three hours, and I don't want you to look at this as a, a box to be checked. This isn't a system to read through. It's more of a framework, so allow this to prompt your prayers. If you do this once and you're encouraged to do it again, I, I, I challenge you to Put this and implement this into your life. Basically, the prayer of examine opens up the door for us to experience relationship with God and recognize his presence in our lives, but then also it opens up space in our lives so that we can be transformed by God. So the prayer has four different steps. There's replay, so 
you go through what has happened this past week or this day. There's rejoice. So how can I thank God and praise him for the things that have happened in this week? Then there's repent. repent. Where did I feel emotional pain today? How did I miss the mark? Where did I sin? Where did I have a strong reaction to something? Reflect on those. And did they reveal God's character or something else? And then resolve. This is the last one. To live differently tomorrow. We take what we've reflected on in our conversation with God and we offer them up as a fragrant offering to God. And he's pleased with this. He wants us to offer ourselves up to him. And we choose to live differently moving forward. You think you guys might be able to do this? Is this okay? Is it tangible enough? Okay, cool. Um, God is inviting you into a story of transformation. This narrative is one of joy, of pain, enlightenment, heartache. It's a process of purging and a process of refinement. It's one where we experience the fullness of life and realize who God is. Will you step into the secret place? Will you let God, through the practice of prayer, open up doors in your life that have been shut for decades? God longs to be in a relationship with you. And like any other relationship, that's going to form you. How does prayer transform our character to become more like Jesus? In 2 Corinthians 3, 18, Paul explains this moment where he, he, he says, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And now this word glory in some languages, not all, but some languages gets its root from the same root of the word that we get, the word density. So think about it this way, from one degree of density to another. How does someone become more dense? through filling themselves up. God longs to fill you with his spirit from one degree of fullness to another. So how does prayer change us? How does it transform our character? As we look to Jesus, we are going to change. As we spend time with him in prayer, we are going to change. As we pray, we are growing in our imitation of Jesus. We experience more of the fruitfulness and peace of Christ. He truly will start ruling our hearts through faith. We experience the fullness of his presence. We are being invited into an eternity of experiencing the fullness and the depths of our good, gracious, and loving Savior of God, our Father. In closing, I wanted to pray a prayer over us, and this is a prayer found in Ephesians, and it's one that Paul prayed over the church in Ephesus, and I think that it will encourage us us as we go out to practice this this week. Um, So um, let's pray. I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do, 
to grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life that he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy and boundless strength. Jesus, we love you. We trust you with our souls. I pray that our words would not be empty words of prayer like that of the Pharisees, but that you would fill our words up that our prayers would be intentional. That our, our songs, our, our worship, our singing, our, our prayer in worship would be intentional, God. That you would transform us. I pray that you begin to shape our character to become more like yours. Jesus, we submit ourselves to you. And we're also excited. We're excited for what you have to do through us this week, Lord. So I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, send us out being transformed to become more and more like you. We love you, Jesus. In your holy heavenly name we pray.